some new socks. If you are, listen until the end of this episode for a best-in-class sock recommendation. Are you already trying to steal my show? Oh, hey, hey, all I'm saying is that good socks are underrated, and today's guest knows about quality socks. Welcome back to Mastering Metal, a podcast brought to you by Digital Commerce at Essential. To keep us on our learning journey of mastering walmart.com, today we are talking all about catalog management. What is catalog management? What components go into catalog management? And how suppliers can optimize their catalog will all be answered within this episode. And you'll hear our guest's main takeaway when it comes to catalog management on Walmart. Yes, let's talk about it. Before I introduce our guest, I'll introduce myself first. My name is Emma Irwin, your host for this series. I have worked in e-commerce for the last year and still have so much to learn. I'm excited to learn about catalog management on Walmart because this is actually a large chunk of what I do when I'm not hosting this podcast, but on the Amazon side. Enough about me. Let me introduce you to our guest. I'm Lily Grant. My title is Vice President of Account Services at White Spider. I help our vendors with full account management needs. And so really anything that they could possibly want on walmart.com. We'll get into it, but that varies from content optimization to reporting to generalized troubleshooting and really just trying to pull levers for them to optimize their business on Walmart. And I wanted to know a bit more about how she got to where she is today. I started out my career working in analytics at a media company. And there I really built out like an analytical skill set, but I wanted to move into an industry where I was able to use that, but also interpersonal skills and working a little more directly with vendors. And so from there, I went to Jet.com, which at the time was recently acquired by Walmart. And over the course of my almost three years there, I Jet became more and more Walmart.com and I slowly became an expert in their e-commerce marketplace. Next up, our recurring question of this series. What is the last thing you purchased from Walmart? Wow. I actually like to buy what my vendors are selling just to okay. like make sure that the whole experience is good. So one of my vendors that I work most closely with does basics in clothing. So I like to buy a lot of their socks. Interesting. Interesting. That is dedication to the client. <laughs> They're good socks. I'll have to ask you afterwards what socks they are. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question now, and then we will circle back to it at the end. So I'm just going to like put it on your brain. But I'm going to ask you something that's been on your digital wish list for a long time, something that you won't actually purchase. And I'll ask you why at the end, but it just sits in a virtual basket, whether it be on your app, on a tab, in the computer, whatever. And so we will come back to that at the end. Sound good? Yes. So you clicked on this episode to learn about catalog management on Walmart, but what is it? Catalog management to me is ties into full account management in that it's making sure that all of your items are set up, reflecting correctly on site. They have inventory, they're transactable. It's really the complete look at your catalog on Walmart or Amazon and making sure that it's best of class. On the Amazon side of things, it is very self-service. Is Walmart similar or kind of, is it, oh gosh, is it your buyer that you're connected with on for this? Like, are they more involved? 
it's your merchant, but close. They are involved, but the onus is really on the vendor. They want the vendors to be making all of the updates themselves and really managing the catalog and the content. But of course, the merchant is the final approval. They do all the pricing, but they will not be in the nitty gritty of actually updating your content. Now that we have an understanding of what catalog management entails, I wanted to learn more about what tools exist for suppliers on Walmart looking to optimize their catalog. Because while I know the ins and outs of Amazon's Vendor Central offerings, I've never actually seen the inside of any component of a catalog on Walmart. I think that's the main difference, of course, between managing the catalog is that the tools are so different. Yeah. Of course, Walmart makes it a little bit complicated and they have around 10 different tools that vendors can use. So that's partially where we come in. Yes. So I'll start on the marketplace side. And these are vendors that are considered 3P. They are shipping directly to the customer and they have a little more control over their items and pricing and all of that. And they do all of their catalog management in a tool called Seller Center. And so that is really the equivalent, to my knowledge, of the Vendor Central tool on Amazon. And that's the main place where marketplace vendors are going to be doing their catalog management. I see. So what about the 1P side? Yes. And so... (laughs) The 1P side gets a little more complicated. So 1P vendors, they are working more directly with Walmart. They're sending their inventory to e-commerce FCs for Walmart to fulfill. A lot of the time they are omni-channel vendors, so are also in stores. And their main tool um, for catalog management is called Item360. This is a relatively recent tool in the last I want to say two years. And so Walmart is adding a lot of capabilities to that. But there are certain things that still need to be done in the legacy tool, which is called Supplier Center. So it's similar to the marketplace version of Seller Center. And there's also another tool for 1P vendors that'll add called Retail Link. And I know any vendors that are listening to this are very familiar with Retail Link because it's been around for a long time. And this is where vendors do like their vendor setup, they pull their sales in there, and it's a hub to access different tools. For example, if they need to submit their factories for approval, they can do that via Retail Link. We've already heard and will continue to hear throughout the season about the importance of your content on walmart.com. So I first asked Lily to break down Walmart's Item 360 tool that she previously mentioned. So in Item 360, you can set up new items. You can edit your content. You can view different configurations for an item. For example, if it is 1P owned and if it's DSV, so then the vendor is shipping directly to the customer, can make edits to your content. It's supposed to be your full-service content management tool on the Walmart side. Item 360 is your main place for content management. And before we dive deeper into some content knowledge, which is very important on walmart.com, one might say, I asked Lily to tell me about the differences in content requirements on Walmart versus Amazon. And we'll also learn a bit more about the anatomy of a Walmart PDP, or as you already know, a product detail page. Main example that I use are titles. So we see vendors from Amazon come over with 
these really long titles filled with every keyword that you could want, which is great. And I think that works for them on Amazon. That's why they do it. But Walmart will penalize vendors for kind of keyword stuffing or having titles that are too long. And so we need to make sure that the titles are in the word limit and be a lot more judicious with those keywords that we're choosing. So that's where the keyword research comes in and really just including those most important keywords because on Walmart, you don't have the luxury of being able to include any keywords that you do want. And how do you do that keyword research? So through our tool SKU Ninja, we do have a keyword research tool that will help tell you what the most searched keywords are specifically on walmart.com. So we do see differences uh, with Walmart versus Google or Amazon searches in that a lot of the time the Google searches are a lot more specific, a lot further down the funnel where the way the customer searches on Walmart is a little bit more generalized. Gotcha. And then what about images? So images, Walmart requests a minimum of six images. So we really encourage vendors to get to that threshold. Otherwise, they will get docked from their content quality score. One recommendation that we do have for vendors in terms of images is to use what we call claim cards or feature graphics. A lot of the time on Amazon, they refer to this as more A-plus content. And it's a way for especially the mobile shopper to be able to see features of an item in a really digestible, easy to read way. On Walmart, do you have, I've never actually scrolled down that far. Do you have, is there an equivalent of A plus as we would call it on Amazon down there at the bottom of the PDP? Yes. So those are called feature sets on Walmart. Unfortunately, they are not currently live because Walmart has been revamping their website. They recently combined a legacy pickup and delivery website with the normal walmart.com. And because of that, those rich media modules went away temporarily. We are seeing videos come back now. And I believe that those feature sets are supposed to be coming back later into Q2 or start of Q3. I see. And so you use the word rich media, which I've now heard many times, but I've not actually asked anyone to elaborate on. Is that just videos and the feature sets or does more go into rich media? There are more options for it. I think those are the two most used by vendors. But for example, you can work with other service providers to have interactive imagery, which is really cool. I think we'll point out like specific features of an item as you can hover over that feature in an image. But I think primarily what vendors should focus on in that area are the the videos or the feature sets. Now that we understand what content elements exist on a PDP, let's break down the content quality score, which again is a score assigned to your product by Walmart that needs to be optimized in order for your item to be considered relevant for discovery by Walmart's algorithm. For a bit of background, the content quality score is a percentage from 0 to 100 that Walmart gives you as a judgment of how good your content actually is. And the closer to 100, the more positive impact on your performance. Let's listen to Lily break down the components of the score. So your perfect content quality score is 100%. And note, 
it's very difficult to get to that level. We consider it best of class if a vendor is above 90%. Overall on walmart.com, their average is 80%. But a lot of vendors we see come in with a score a lot lower than that. So here's what they need for that 100% score. 15% of it is based on the title. So they need to have the title short enough. They need the format of the title to include their brand, any keywords, and be in the copying how the style guide wants it to be. So Walmart is also launching these style guides that makes it a lot easier for vendors to have content exactly in line with what Walmart wants. So that's the first aspect. Another 15% goes to the description. So this should echo a lot of those things in the title, but this is where vendors can add a little bit more information. We like to refer to it as the mini marketing pitch for your brand and item. Then key features is another 15%. This is where you have five or more bullet points to get even more into the specifics List out those features, add those keywords again, that'll help with SEO. And this is really where you finish selling the customer. And finally, for another 15%, you have imagery. So six or more images, you want it to be Zoom capable. So I think that's over a thousand pixels. And those are the main stipulations there. So those four components each make up 15% of the score and for a total of 60% on that content side. And then on the other side, we have attribution. So these are more backend attributes that the vendor has to fill out. And a lot of the times they don't even know they have to fill out these attributes and will come in with a great looking description, but their content quality score is at 60% because they haven't filled out these attributes. So I believe it's 25% of the score are these required attributes. An additional 15% is recommended attributes, but really they're required because if you don't fill them out, you'll have a low content quality score. And then the final component for the overall score is reviews. This only makes up a small portion of the reviews, but we like to say that they're more significant for the customer's journey because a lot of the times they really will look to those reviews as a beacon to how the customer is reacting to the item. And so you gave very specific percentages for each part of the content quality score. I'm curious, does Walmart have that information publicly available or did White Spider figure that out? Good question. I think that is mostly from our internal White Spider teams. Gotcha. There is recent communication from Walmart regarding updates to the content quality score. And that is what I was reflecting. It used to not be so standardized in terms of those percentages. But in a way that will make it better for both vendors and the content on Walmart, they are switching their scoring system to be exactly aligned with the style guides. So if a vendor is following every aspect of the style guide, that will correlate with how good their content quality score is. Gotcha. And then I'm curious, so say you have two products, one has content quality score around 50, the other one's up in that best of class above 90. How do those 
differences kind of reflect in search results? Well, the item that has a score of 50, I'm guessing there are serious gaps in its description key features. So it may not even be including the keywords that it needs to be discoverable on site. So that's another important part of an item's content is making sure that it has the keywords to be discoverable and goes hand in hand with the content quality score in some ways. So it's very possible that the item with a 50% content quality score is just not even findable to a customer that's maybe even looking for the item. And so that's the main difference. And an item that's at 100% should be optimized in terms of SEO. It will have that groundwork in order to climb the organic rankings of a search term. Is there like a bottom line percentage? You said 50% is not necessarily findable on site. Is there like a bottom line percentage of, let's say, appearing on page one of search results? Or do you think everything on page one kind of sits above that 90%? Everything on page one sits above 90%. I would say it depends on the item's conversion again. And another lever that vendors have to pull is advertising. And so now they can use advertising to get on the first page. But again, it's unlikely they'll have the conversion without the content being where the consumer wants it to be. I see. My follow-up question was going to be, say you have two products that have just incredible content quality scores. Who gets the sale or maybe not even the sale, but like who would get those best placements on within search results that like slot one and two? That's where it comes down to the customer. So we can help the vendor have the content quality scores above 90% content that is incredible, but the final decision is the customer to compare the content to that other item and decide what they want to go with for their purchase. What is the worst content quality score you've seen? Around 20s is where you are (laughs) if you do the absolute bare minimum when setting up the item. So we'll never see a content quality score that's 0%. But if you're starting with 20s or 30s, that's pretty terrible. And can Walmart like suppress your product if they wanted to when your content quality score is that terrible? Yes. Yeah, (laughs) that does not surprise me. They really just want the best experience for the customer also. So it's mutually beneficial to have an optimized content quality score. Beneficial for Walmart because they'll be serving their customer the best items and beneficial for the vendor because customers will actually be able to find their items. Wow, that was a lot of information. Let's take a small break. Hello. You have called Mastering Meatail, a podcast about how to win on Walmart, Amazon, and Instacart. Please hold. We covered what goes into content quality score. Uh, doesn't it, we covered who Walmart gives the content quality score. What about the landscape? The landscape. How to impact performance? But what does it actually do to impact your performance? Oh, is this thing? On, am I on call? To return to your episode, please press 1. Out of curiosity, I had to ask Lily about the overall landscape of content quality that exists on walmart.com. I know that on Amazon, you're probably going to see great content on page 1 of search results, 
But if you go to page 50, you might not see all that great of content. So I wanted her to tell me if that was a similar concept on Walmart. That's a good question. Of course, now, even outside of my professional capacity as an e-commerce expert, I am constantly judging the product pages anytime I go to online shop. So I think that there's always room for improvement. On Walmart specifically, this marketplace is still in its early stages. It is just growing. And most of the product pages have a lot of room for improvement still. I see. Are there any specific categories that do much better when it comes to content than others? There are certainly some categories that are a little more at capacity for vendors than others. For example, I would say supplements is a space where it's harder to just optimize your scores and run ads and get on the first page because Walmart does have a lot of private label brands in that space. There are a lot of larger vendors that are already doing the work to get on the first page. But there are other categories that right now there aren't so many vendors in the space. And it's up to us and vendors to try to find that white space and that opportunity on walmart.com. We now have a solid understanding of content on walmart.com. So let's travel back to our entire catalog and look into how we can further optimize our entire catalog via the different metrics that exist. Fortunately, Walmart especially on the marketplace side, they're putting a lot of resources into growing out capabilities for Walmart. I've heard in the past that these platforms are a little less robust for the vendor facing side than on Amazon. But in Seller Center, Walmart is now constantly adding new tools for vendors to go play around with, look at their business. One that is now a little over a year old, but still a great metric to look at is called the pro seller badge. This is something that marketplace vendors can accomplish by having great criteria. For example, they have a content quality score that's best in class. They have few cancellations on their orders. They have few delivery defects and they'll get this pro seller badge on their listing. That's kind of just a vote of confidence for the customer and knowing that they can rely on this vendor. I like that. I've seen that in browsing walmart.com. And it does really give you that kind of sense of just trust in that. I trust that even Walmart has vetted the sellers that actually get that badge. It's not just like purely driven by sales volume. It is. It can be hard for vendors to, to reach all those goals. So I would say to you as a customer that when you see that badge, you can really trust that vendor. Before we begin to wrap up this episode with Lily's main takeaway when it comes to catalog management on Walmart. Hey, hey, did you forget about the socks? No, I did not forget about the socks. Get out of here. Okay, 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 okay. Patience is key. The last thing I had to ask about was any kind of growth opportunity tools that exist for suppliers selling on Walmart. We see Amazon continually investing in tools within Vendor Central that are aimed at helping brands and manufacturers grow based on the sales data that exists within the catalog. So I wanted to know about what it's like out there for Walmart suppliers. So I mentioned that, especially on the marketplace side, Walmart is putting a lot of resources into investing in their vendors, in their analytics that they offer to vendors. And so within Seller Center, there is a tab 
on the left-hand side where they have their dashboard called Growth Opportunities. And this is both where vendors can see some of those content quality score metrics, but they also can see these other metrics that Walmart is slowly rolling out, testing, introducing for vendors. So for example, I can run through some of those quickly. There are unpublished items. It will tell you what of your items are unpublished, why they're unpublished, how you can quickly republish them. For example, if an item doesn't have inventory, if an item is in a compliance hold, and you can quickly contest that or add inventory to try to get an item to go live again. Are there any other ones beyond unpublished items? Yes, of course. So kind of similarly to that, we have pricing opportunities. And this is reporting that a lot of the time is similar to buy box reporting, which will tell you if your offer is losing the buy box to another vendor. So in this pricing opportunities tab, you can see if any other vendors are listing on an item and beating your price. And a lot of the time, it's only by one cent, right? So if their price is one cent lower, the vendor can lower their price by two cents and be winning that buy box again and getting the sales. I see. One that I find particularly interesting is assortment growth. So earlier we discussed potential white spaces on walmart.com right now. And in assortment growth, you can actually look at some Walmart bestsellers by category and you can see what is performing well in certain categories and decide if you could maybe create a similar product to some of those ones that are performing really well on walmart.com. And now you've made it to the point of hearing what Lily's main takeaway is when it comes to catalog management. And while you had to wait a while to hear it, just think about everything you just learned that you'll be able to take forward with you on your journey to winning on Walmart. I think my main takeaway is that it's a cyclical process. It's not something that you do once and you say, my scores are optimized, my catalog is managed. It's something you have to check in on weekly, if not daily, to make sure that all of your items remain published, remain with the best content. So it's a process. And how do you do that when you have, say, 10,000 SKUs? You have somebody to help you. Yeah, <laughs> I figured. You can make these updates in bulk. You can have guidance from service providers or a variety of tools. And you can use the 80-20 rule and prioritize your item. Can you, one last question before I start to round this out. Is it because Walmart is continually changing their kind of what they expect out of your content that you have to keep monitoring? Or is it come down more so to paying attention to what your competitors are doing? Why can't you just like set your content and let it go? You work really hard. You create beautiful content. Why can't you just leave it be and let it go? It's a combination of those things. To your point, because Walmart does tweak their algorithm it can slip in the rankings. And so you want to make sure that it can maintain its spot. But secondarily, it is a competition. So even if you do set it and forget it in terms of your content, your competitors might be looking to your content and saying, how can our content be better than this? How can we outrank this item? So 
you want to make sure to stay competitive with those similar vendors as well. Of course, to truly wrap things up, I circled back to Lily's digital wish list. We're coming back to the digital wish list question, something that you just won't purchase and why. My number one will always be the Dyson Airwrap and that I will not purchase because it, it is too expensive, but it is something that I do point to vendors as an item with best in class content. I think we can all agree that Dyson is a premium brand and that really reflects in their product pages. <laughs> it's so funny. You're not the first person to say that. <laughs> the Dyson. <laughs> That's awesome. I've tried it before and it's incredible. Not sponsored. Yes. <laughs> I digress. Last question. What is your favorite part about visiting Northwest Arkansas? This might be cheesy, but it's genuinely the people. Everybody at White Spider and even Walmart is so nice, so professional, and such a pleasure to work with. That's amazing. Also not the first person to say that. And, I mean, we experience that ourselves, that the people are just... It's amazing. Nice people. Nice people. They're amazing. It's a great place to work. And... My number two answer for that will be Crystal Bridges Museum. It was amazing. Also, I'm not sure if you had a chance to check it out. But I believe both of us, both Klaus and I, our producer, did when we visited last week. Or It's really special, right? Yeah. It's so incredible. It's You wouldn't expect that to be where it is. And it's amazing. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. Let's talk about good socks. Because you know what can easily ruin your day? Wearing a pair of bad socks. And one. Check them out. That's for men primarily. And on the ladies' side, I will put a promotion in for Avia. I will have to check that out. I need some socks. My dog shreds all of my socks. That's why Walmart is great for socks because you can get these large multi-packs for very cheap and you will not feel guilty having to buy new ones frequently. Off the top of your head, what is the content quality score of these socks? Best in class. It's 95% or above. Very nice. Very nice. Were you satisfied with this episode? Press 1 for yes and 2 for no. We have made it to the end of another episode of Mastering Metail, and you have mastered catalog management. In our next episode, we're going to cover paid search, so make sure to listen in. If you pressed one, please follow us and share this series with your colleagues. As always, you can find me at emma.erwin@essential.com, and you can find everything you need to know about essential digital commerce at essential.com. This episode was produced by Klaus Cancel with sound design by Ines Satenchi. See you next time.